This is Coda Radio, episode 274 for September 18th, 2017. Welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software mode and its related mythologies. This episode of the Coder Hour is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, the DigitalOcean, and why, yes, that Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us once again from the proud state of Florida, why, yes, it's the always busy Mr. Michael Dunn. Hello, Mike! Mr. Fisher, I did not die. <laughs> Jeez, no. Jeez, you really come in with a the thunder there. Welcome to the Coder Odor Hour. This here is Mike and Chris. How y'all doing? How did, how's it going down there, Mike? You know what? It's solid not dead right now, That's so good. we'll take it. I definitely take it. So uh, everything's okay? The house is in one shape? Uh, you still uh, have- yeah. It's some minor stuff, but nothing nothing that I give a shit about because I rant. <laughs> Well, that's good. That's good. That's really quite good. Uh, we have so many things going on today. This is like a really packed show. I don't know if we're going to get to all of it because we have only a small amount of time together. There is some big hoopla developing today. Uh, the, oh, there's some sexy hoopla. The EFF has just resigned from the W3C uh, standards board over the way they handle the encrypted media extensions. And they I have... would say that they rage quit, but keep going. Yeah, it is a rage quit. They announced they're going to help people that try to break encrypted media extensions in the future. hey <laughs> oh, Yeah, yeah. There's also, there is some love for Electron, and um, and whenever anybody talks positively, somebody has to come along and rain on everybody. They take a crit. shit on the parade. Yes, Sorry. it's what happens. It's what happens. So yeah, today, uh, that's also in the hoopla, the bad parts of Electron, and um, some of these are actually pretty legitimately bad. Like this installer yeah. situation where you have the official Electron installer, but you also have Squirrel, for the desktop and nuts for the server, and the tooling is set up to use Squirrel, but the project recommends the official build tools or installer tools. Like, there's some other things here. Oh, yeah. also how it totally C blocks continuous integration uh, in several different ways that are ironic and frustrating, especially when you're trying to do cross platform development, which is why people use Electron or one of them. So there is, and then of course there's all the go to size issues. But this was a uh, hackernoon.com article, and I know you grabbed it, so I was wondering what uh, caught your attention. Well, so I have a war story here, but I'm going to truncate it for time. Um, one of the major problems with Electron that we've never talked about on the show, Chris, is in a lot of cases on certain operating systems that you might get at Seattle um, while hanging out with uh, Satya Nadella or Steve Ballmer, actually required to ship the entire www directory with the app, i.e. the entire <laughs> application source code. Yeah. And uh, – I'm not going to say that I'm a freedom hater because I am a Linux user now, although not today for reasons that I will explain shortly if I have to. Um, that's a problem for a lot of potential customers. Like That's a real kind of deal breaker right there. Yeah. And you, you touched on it basically that the installers uh, – you know, I'm going to say this. This is not Chris Fisher's opinion. They suck and they don't work. Basically, you're you're putting on a uh, bootstrapper of a web page on the person's computer, and on certain operating systems, that basically means they have the entire source code for the application 
right there on their computer. Yeah, that was my other point. Is it's and yeah. that is a bit that's a particular concern for commercial apps. Maybe right. not so much of a concern for open source apps. But in a non-compiled state, right? They have it like as is. Like they have it. The, they could compile it theoretically with a little bit of uh, you know jiggery pokery. Yeah, yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you might not like that particular part yeah. of it. I find that offensive. Um, so Electron has an official response. Their official response is you have to pick your battles. Um, <laughs> but I, I know there are other tools to do this. So there's not like a built-in official method, but there are implementations you can use. There are alternatives. But yeah. Yeah. Code, yeah. you know, but you, you know, people would say, people listening would say, <laughs> security through obscurity is not security at all, Mr. Dominic. Oh, Slam. True, and I and I would even argue that like most apps you're going to be developing for money are like line of business apps. Yeah. So it's okay, right? If the source code is on the person's machine, but if I was starting, let's say, remember my old app Code Journal? Mm-hmm. I would be very nervous about making electronic because people actually, believe it or not, Chris, they cracked the stupid Mac App Store encryption thing, and they pirated it. How is that even a thing? Like, why, oh, it's why a is- thing because. Well, because I sold it through Gumroad as well, so I had to do the lighter, kind of like lighter level encryption. And folks, like, it was four ninety nine, guys. I just want to say that's that. what really gets me is the, yeah. the like, yeah. Is it for other markets? Is that why they do it and they sell it in other markets? I think it was just like folks that didn't want to pay for software. No matter what, first. they just they have a hard line; they'll never pay. Right, but the problem was like I discontinued the app. Because after the first like six months, I was losing money. Yeah. Because um, support, I mean, GitHub chain at the, at the time, and this is a totally unrelated topic, but if you're building a service on a third party, you remember this, Chris, at the time, GitHub was changing their API and upgrading their API from V2 to V3. So I was like busting my ass trying to upgrade that app. And there was a, exactly, there was a linear correlation between time over over work and people pirating the app <laughs> yeah so i can only imagine and if your frustration on app, buy it. right like you could literally on electron app you could just like run node app.js and be done i mean it's yeah. or electron app.js and be done it it's kind of you know what i don't know i don't want to be on your side chris because i fundamentally hate everything about you sure sure but Native apps have a little more protection, except, of course, in this case, because Mac is like, yeah, rob the motherfucker. It's okay. Yeah, well, and it's also not a runtime for any arbitrary thing that somebody manages to get on there. And I know Electron has sandboxing provisions, but at the same time, it is a web runtime. And uh, we've all seen what happens when Microsoft stuffs stuffs web browsers into things like Outlook. It can be bad. It can be exploited. Yeah. So there's this uh, little hoopla coming over uh, from uh, after, really, it's ripple effects from some changes Facebook made. WordPress has decided it's done with React after Facebook announced they're uh, going to – I think it's more like pulling back on patent clause protection, but that's where I get a little gray. I'm not quite sure on – Facebook is like no no longer providing patent protection or I can't – Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, okay. Okay, so React is not like any open source license you've ever had. It is not Apache. It is not GPL. It says that you agree by using React that you will not sue Facebook. And in exchange, Facebook will not sue you for any patents in React. So it's a double patent indemnity. That itself is bad. But now Facebook is removing the we will not sue you part. 
<laughs> so, okay. That okay. So that clears it up. So when I, when I picked Angular, which by the way, I'm actually I'm a big Angular one fan, but I've actually been moving on to Vue.js. Yeah. Uh, for a lot of reasons that we'll talk about next week or on Thursday. Y- React is is deeply encumbered by its license. Like I, I am shocked at how popular React has become, given the, these onerous patent licensing terms from Facebook. Yeah. I mean, go ahead and read. I'm not a lawyer, but go ahead and read these li- the license. And I, I would be amazed if you put it past your corporate legal department if they would actually let you use React. Jeez, it almost blows that whole theory out of the water that projects can be completely stunted by their license, because at least in the case of React, and maybe it's the exception, it, you're right, that, that sounds awful. Well, right now, the React license, and I am not an attorney, so I may be mistaken, uh, disclaimer, disclaimer, hmm. but right now it's, you can't sue Facebook, and Facebook can sue you for anything. That's nice. I like that. That's good for that, Facebook. When there's alternatives like Vue.js, Angular, uh, Ember, uh, hell, straight jQuery. Sure. Why are you taking on this legal obligation? Like it first of all, I don't like React because I think it's like stupid technology. I think it's like it solves a problem Facebook has, but you're not Facebook. Boom. Still, you should never agree to something like this with a company like Facebook. I mean, because they are Facebook. Boom. Go ahead, Chris. I'm in I'm, good shape today. I'm uh, I'm new to I'm new to the view view.js. I had heard it before, but I was just checking out their examples page. So it's vuejs.org. Then go to slash v2 slash examples, and there they have a markdown editor that's embedded in the page, written in Vue, and it's pretty nice. Uh, yeah, and we're gonna do some. Yeah, we're gonna do some code samples next week. Um, I I it's really slick. Yeah, a quick primer, right? It, if you remember Angular 1, where you could kind of like mix it in with your regular JavaScript code, Vue is like that. It doesn't try to take over your project like Angular 4. It's it's pretty clean in terms of what you're doing. And you don't have to sign a deal with the devil, or as I call him, Mark. <laughs> yeah, the Zuck. Uh, they have a Hacker News clone written in Vue 2.0. Looks good. This is with server-side rendering. Okay, all right, so... Uh, this is uh, this is something I'll learn more about because yeah, it does seem like uh, I see other people in the comment threads here on our. Uh, no, this wasn't our server. This was other discussion right where people are talking about Vue. So I'll check it out. I'm gonna learn more. Learn more about Vue.js. I will put a yeah, link keys in the chat in the uh, yeah, show notes. A, the reason I ended up looking at it was I had a couple <laughs> customers who told me in less than polite terms they're from New York, so you know <laughs> uh, we are not agreeing to this Facebook React license under any circumstances ever. So yeah, to you. Wow, to you looks. You know, tomorrow I'm going to New York. So you have any tips for me? Like, you have any like East Coast? I don't. Re- I've never really been that far on the East Coast. Not not to the Atlantic. Like that's that's sure. So I promised I'd keep it clean, which I already failed. But <laughs> uh, go f yourself is just another form of hello. Okay. All right. So don't <laughs> don't get all worked up is what you're saying. Don't get all worked up. Um, yeah. Sandwiches cost twenty dollars, and they're really, really big. <laughs> it's like a full meal in New York. So okay, all right, all right, good. That's good uh, tips. This is good. I the like this. Only acceptable drink at a bar at one o'clock in the afternoon is a martini. Okay, all right, good. I won't. I don't want to make that mistake. That'd be a faux pas. I want to impress. Faux pas. I'm helping. And you know what? If you need me to come up and help you, let me know <laughs> because. I, I would love to pass out on the subway. I'm, I'm a little concerned. I mean, I don't want to uh, I don't want to mischaracterize, but I I've been led to believe that both Popey and Wimpy uh, can uh, can drink a few beers, and so I may be. Yeah. 
I may be sipping I, the martinis. I don't know. They might out drink. I me. mean, uh, I have a feeling Popey in particular, and I love Popey. We I've talked to him twice. <laughs> um, so like Donald Trump and Sean Hannity, I love him. <laughs> I I I feel like he can drink you under the table. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. agree. All right. Well, we have much to get into, so let's take a moment and thank DigitalOcean. Go over to DigitalOcean.com and use our promo code Coder Digital. It's one word. And then spin up one of their systems on their super fast infrastructure with 40 gigabit connections, SSDs for all of the systems. They have private networking available if you want to do a front-end cache or, or a back-end database or backup system, a simple API that's very intuitive to write to, or just take advantage of many of the code that's already been written around that. Highly available block storage, which you can attach up to your systems when they show up as block devices. And I've been seeing them running tests of object storage too, which when that launches, that's going to be a game changer. Find out more about that too in their community section. I love the fact that they support team. Teamwork is the team, like the team um, work, uh, like they have like this, I won't call it teamwork, but it's basically teamwork mode where you can, you can work together with multiple accounts. So instead of sharing one account amongst like everybody you're working with, you can have each person have their own login, but still work together on the same droplets, get access to the settings. You can change permissions and things like that. You can invite people in. It's a really nice system because when we first started using DigitalOcean here at Jupiter Broadcasting, we would just create an account and then everybody logs into that account. And while that gets the job done, we all know that's really kind of asking for it. So I really appreciate the fact that, A, they have some two-factor support, and, B, they have this team support, which is really nice. Also, you can transfer a droplet. This isn't really a feature that they often talk about, but if you want to transfer a droplet to a different account, this is really nice if you're building something for a client. I've been thinking about this more and more is creating websites for small businesses that just – I go, I look at their website and they're just awful, awful bad. And I'm like, geez, I could spin them up a droplet in an afternoon and throw together a, a ghost-based site on there and call it good and just transfer them the droplet. Charge them a one-time fee to set it up and give them – set them up a, dro- a DigitalOcean account, give them the login, transfer the droplet to that. I'm done. It's so slick. Uh, they have really straightforward pricing. I love their three cents an hour machine. If you get the $5 a month system, you'll get 512 megs of RAM, a CPU, 20 gigabytes of SSD, and a terabyte of transfer. And then use our promo code Coder Digital, get $10 credit. You could run that $5 rig two months for free. And no matter where you're based at, there's going to be a server that's going to match your users, going to be close to where you're at. They're all over the world, and they're really strategically placed, too. And it's something that's hard to put in a graphic, so I'll just tell you. If you go to their site, they'll have a, they'll have a map of all the places, and they're adding to it all the time because they, they even have multiple data centers in those areas. And then on their website, they will let you speed test to those data centers so you can figure out which one's going to be great for you to set up. <laughs> they thought of everything. And what's super nice about this is they're adding it constantly so you can always reevaluate and move droplets or spin one up on another area or do off-site backup. I mean, there's all kinds of possibilities. It's really cool. It's, it's a great resource. And if you're building a bot like we have with JBot, you can also interact with your droplet using their API. Otherwise, just use that fantastic dashboard. Just get started by going to DigitalOcean.com and use our promo code CoderDigital after you've created the account. Also, check out their Introduction to Load Balancing article, which is just great information. Um, obviously, great to test your DigitalOcean droplet, but just great information for everybody in general. DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code D-O-Unplugged. Why open source developers are burning out? It's no respect. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of reasons in this article. It's kind of all over the place. But there was one core quote that CG, CFG83 pulled out that I really agreed with. I read the whole article, and this is he, he pulled the, the best part. <clears throat> he or she. 
The issue is entitlement. And this is something that we've danced around a lot because, it's, first of all, it's extremely rude to say that. The, 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 the users of the software, open source users, Linux users, whoever, are, in, are a bunch of entitled jerks. You sound like an entitled jerk when you say it. But, but in totality, when you look at all of the amount of people we have heard say this that work in open source, that are developers across all the different range, ranges of open source, from the very top to just weird esoteric stuff, they all say this. The issue is irrational obligation. In other words, a self-destructive vulnerability to entitlement. The issue is, is that users of my open source software aren't paying for it or aren't contributing to it or are a for-profit company. The issue really is that they don't love me. Unrequited or insufficiently requited love plus overexposure of effort minus boundaries equals burnout. He doesn't feel appreciated yeah. enough, I guess. I mean, I wouldn't go into the whole love bit, but I have to say um, way back in the day, which is approximately seven years ago, I had a library called MD Networking, MD, my initials, right? Um, and when I discontinued it because I started using uh, Alamo Fire, I don't know how familiar you are with that, Chris. Yeah, it really sounds. They're iOS networking libraries. So MD networking was a simple replacement for ASI HTTP, which was discontinued. Um, and then I, you know, it was a rich kind of thing. For about a year after I discontinued it and recommended everybody go to Alamo Fire, which, by the way, is on like Alamo Fire version 3 or 2 point something now. It, and it's actually all on Swift. Um, I got an amazing number of GitHub emails from people just like bitching that I didn't support their whatever their use case was. And, you know, my open source philosophy, we haven't talked about it in over a year, but I, I do everything under Apache 2. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or back in the day it used to be SD, but now I do Apache mm -hmm. 2. Mm -hmm. So it's totally like open, open source, right? Like no restrictions, no nothing. But it, it does get annoying when you have people who are very obviously like just trying to use your software but don't know how it works, I guess, and are trying to get you to change it to make it easier for them or to fit their particular use case. Like this library could do, you know, your basic put, get, whatever, in a simple way and return a block. That's what it did. These folks wanted it to, you know, oh, does it connect to, you know, S3? No, it doesn't do that. Can it? No, right? We don't do that. It's... It, I, I feel the pain of like people consuming your open source software who are not contributing back and are making demands on you as though they had paid for it. What about Does that what about setting the expectation via the license? So you touched on Apache there for a second, and I think maybe you emphasized it for a reason, but then didn't elaborate because. So the well, the guy that's being interviewed in this piece by Tech, Tech Republic, he says that he ended up going with the ISC license because it basically says do whatever you want with this software it in no way is expects that you're going to get anything from me. It's really basic. And then that way, that way it's just clear up, up front when they get the software, you get nothing but just the software. I don't know. I feel like Apache says that too, right? Do whatever you like. Yeah. No warranty. Yeah. I mean, what's the difference? Yeah, I, I agree that this is their argument. This is, this is their argument is that licenses solve this problem. But I, I would submit to you that the people requesting you from you, those things, in most cases, probably don't even know what the license is. They know it's open source to some degree, but they probably haven't read the, ever even read the license. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I yeah, I think so. And I don't want to spend too much time on this topic because we're restricted today. But I will say my experience with MD networking and a few other things I did that I released and then pulled back. Um, I have not released an open source library in about a year and a half. Actually, two two years. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I definitely feel this pain that like, you know what, guys? You need to be a little more respectful like even if there is a legitimate bug, you need to like talk to the person who wrote this entire library you're doing your entire networking stack on in a way that is not arrogant. Maybe I'm just an old man. So here's what it feels like to me being on being on the other end of something similar, <clears throat> but not not being a software developer, but being on the end of creating something that's free that people consume that they would like to see done a little differently or have have us cover a certain thing or um I think part of it comes from a lack of full full appreciation of the amount of work that goes into creating something. And I'm trying not to sound like like a bitter lover here or something. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is um, when, when you see when you see an episode, when you listen to an episode of Coda Radio, you don't really have a full scope of the amount of hours that either one of us and Rekai put into it. You know, there's not there's not really a way because the end product isn't about the work that went into it. However, so much work goes into each release that you could have an episode about that amount of work. But that's not what our product is. Uh, so they don't. Nobody knows really the amount of work until you start. Until you create a vlog or you create a podcast and you do it weekly. You really, you like it. If, and maybe that's a good thing because if anybody, if anybody knew, they'd never start. Uh, and, and so it isn't really possible for people to set their expectations. Just like I don't have a full appreciation of what it would take to reroute a thirty amp power line to and put it and wire it to an outside outlet. I have a I have a vague idea of how that would be done, but I cannot fully appreciate all of the work that would be involved or the type of, of equipment that would be required. I just have a vague idea of it. And so I can ask for it to be done and think it's a simple thing, but a contractor can come back to me and tell me, well, that's actually a $5,000 job. Now, what? I, what? That's not 200 bucks. You know, that seems like a $200 job to me. Right. Same thing. It's exactly the same thing. I mean, I'd have people email me via GitHub and say, oh, I could have done this in a weekend and you have this horrible bug. Well, actually... I bet you couldn't have, and that's not really a bug. It's just meant to be generic, right? It's not meant to handle your specific use case. Yeah, yeah. And, and we get yeah. this sh- – and you're right. We get this on the show all the time. Like people, too much Mac, too much Linux, too much this, too much that. No one's ever happy. <laughs> you know what, though? You're just sitting back with your crystal ball making grand predictions of the future because it has been revealed to us regulars Maybe a small glimpse into Mike's master plan as one of Tampa's millionaires is planting a flag for VC funding and much more. In fact, it could be much, much more right right next to Plant City, which is uh, where I believe Mr. Dominic is located at this very moment. Hmm. So there is something ha- – and, and I don't want to talk about this for too long, but – um, we talked a lot about a year ago about the hubs, right? Silicon Valley, New York City. There was something happening where a lot of VCs, or, or a significant number at least, are investing money in different areas to try to see if they can get their dollar to go further. And Tampa is one of them. Now, I'm down in Plant City, which is right next door to Tampa. It's a trivial drive for me. Um, and I can tell you from where I just was and you know, meetings I've had since I've been here, Irma aside, there is something happening down here. I'm not going to say that the next Facebook uh, is going to be in Tampa, 
because I actually don't think there can be a next Facebook, and that's the topic for a different day. But I think the Google and Facebooks of the world have such a monopoly right now that well, they will. Well, maybe not the next Facebook, but what about the current Amazon? Because Amazon just recently announced it plans to build a second headquarters outside of my, well, that, my that, hometown. Well, that's where we going to go with this. Um, and I didn't know it was your hometown. I thought Tampa was in the running for this. No, well, I mean their current headquarters. They're, they're, so this will be their first no, headquarters. No, but additional headquarters. Yeah. I, they're looking at New York, Tampa, and a few other places. Seattle, though, is where their current one is. And, you know, we're, we're the OG <laughs> Amazon home, and apparently we're uh, we're not big enough. Apparently they can't add enough people here, and uh, traffic is too bad. <laughs> so they got to move. You know. I keep getting emails from Amazon recruiters telling me to move to Seattle. But yeah, so is everybody else, apparently. <laughs> right. Have you ever compiled Java ever? Would you like to move to Seattle? That, that That's their pitch. Yep. I There is something happening where these hubs are not working. And these companies are trying to decentralize them. And I want to move on from this because we are very restricted on time today. But it'll be interesting in three months to see – did something happen in Tampa in particular? Yeah. Well, you are you will be our local reporter on the scene. Linuxacademy.com slash coders. Go there to sign up and support the show. It's a seven-day free trial when you sign up. And by going to coders, you let them know you heard it here. You can learn more about them. It's a platform for you to learn more about Linux, the things that make money around Linux, like Azure and AWS and OpenStack and virtualization and networking and security. And... Security, yeah. Boy, I should say that more often, actually. There's some great stuff on that. They have, a, they have a slick system. They have video courses, which are self-paced, in-depth video courses on every Linux cloud and DevOps topic. That's brilliant right there. And when, and these, when I say in-depth, it's like stuff you can download and read offline and listen to, and it's comprehensive courseware. They have hands-on scenario-based labs that give you real-world experience. Humans, they have humans that can help you, which is, I know, unbelievable for an online learning platform. They have full-time human instructors that are ready to help when you need help. They have a flashcard system that's forked by a community that's stacked full of Jupiter Broadcasting members. And then they got them nuggets, which are tiny little sparkly bits of wisdom where you can deep dive on a single topic. You got five minutes to burn or maybe you got an hour. It just depends on the topic. One thing, you go and you learn all about it. But if you're going for the certs, Really go in for that seven-day trial and check it out because they have course, courseware that will just sort of put you on a fast track for that to get you ready for that. And you can test yourself and test yourself and test yourself. I really think Linux Academy has grown as an industry-recognized platform. And so their social profiles they launched a little while ago are sort of like your GitHub of a Linux Academy page where you can link somebody to something and show them what you've accomplished. It's pretty cool. And it just comes as part of your Linux Academy subscription. They have iOS and Android apps for Studying on the go as well. Check it out. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders is where you go to sign up and get that free seven-day trial. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. Mr. Dominic, I was surprised. You know, we held our tongues after the iPhone events and all of that with last week's episode. But we've had time to reflect and think about what might actually matter to certain developers in our audience. And uh, I'd say it's fair to say you're a bit skeptical, but let's let's get to that in a moment because I think both you and I agree that the one thing that could be possibly a, a revenue opportunity could be the new LTE Apple Watch. What do you think? Yeah, I think the LTE Apple Watch... Um, basically fixes the Apple Watch, right? It's the Apple Watch as it should have been. Well, and you're going to need more complete apps, too, that can run without a phone. Right. Well, they could at least be functional without a phone. I wouldn't yeah. say totally run right. without yes. a phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But previous to this, the apps had to have Bluetooth connection to the phone. 
So that's significant. Now, I don't know how significant it is given the issues with monetizing App Store apps. Um, I think you can pretty easily make it in an app purchase of an existing app. I think that's in app or if it or you could really use this to differentiate the free app from the pro app. People that have Apple Watches are going to be more likely to also buy for those kind of things. And what are they, some number going around, like 30 million Apple Watches sold or some ridiculous number? There's going? a lot. Like, they are the number one watch vendor. That's, that's mind-blowing, really. Yeah. Um, and it's the health stuff. So if you could really, if you could come up with, a, like, an exercise app or something around that that uses music and exercise, I think you'd have a, you'd have an easy sell. For anybody that's, that's, that's in this, I think episode. so too. I mean, from a business perspective, I'd say go for something other than health, because everybody is going for health. And if you could win a different market and make it make sense on the watch, you would be the only game in town. Yeah, yeah. Having said that, I'm still very focused on bots. I have Alice. I'm yeah. I'm kind of working on something new for Alice to reposition her a little. Uh, I don't think there's. I don't think that necessarily precludes wearables. I could totally see an interface to a bot yeah, on I, my watch. I could see it too. I mean, I, I I think everything is going to eventually be married together, right? Like this yeah. is going to be what I find. So, what I find really interesting about wearables, and this is my last point about it, is more and more people that try them switch from skeptical to to user to users, and I'm and I and I'll full spectrum of people that have been really like skeptical of wearables. I've now switched that I know in my personal life because they find some use for them. Maybe it's a Fitbit, maybe it's a full smartwatch, and they get integrated into some some routine, and boom, now all of a sudden you're hooked. Right. Yeah, wearables definitely have something, although I, I would almost like to jump forward and talk about the iPhone X. Yeah, we got it. We, we got it. This is the yeah. controversial thing for you. You think that so, notch is bad. The notch is no good. I think the notch no is the no notch. I think the notch is just another design headache that Apple couldn't solve that developers are going to have to deal with. Really, dude? And yeah, I do. I am not impressed. No, no you couldn't be right. All right, you go won't. ahead. So first of all, uh, something tells me they probably had a dozen different designs. I think it's two things. I think they could have they could have just done like a black top. They also could have tried to exaggerate iOS's design to try to hide it. They intentionally are sticking that notch out. They're proud of the notch because it's a branding thing. It's going to be like that's why. Do you remember when the HomePod firmware stuff leaked and you had the cutouts of the with of the iPhone 10 with the notch? That's garbage, but keep going. It was branding. It's immediately it's recognizable instantly. It is differentiating from every other smartphone on the market. And they they essentially have a freaking connect in that little thing. It is it is 100% a miniaturized Connect. It's Prime Sense, which are the people that sold the Connect technology to Microsoft. Apple bought them in 2013, and this is what they've been doing. This is why ARKit is surprisingly better than we expected it to be because it's Prime Sense's technology and they have to stick a forward-facing connect in that thing somewhere and that's where they've stuck it and instead of trying to like hide it in the rim or give it like a, a bit of a forehead they went for a branding move it's them putting their it's apple putting their brand out on the table i don't agree well how what i want to know is how's it going to work when you're holding the phone sideways and you're scrolling horizontally like where, where can you scroll right there is it like, how's that? Is it touch sensitive? I doubt it. How do you scroll horizontally? Do you just have to hold it the other way all the time now so the scroll bar is always on the side where this, where the button should be, where the touch button, where the, where the home button should be? 
I don't know. I mean, one interesting thing for me is that the processor and most of the guts of these phones of the X are exactly the same as the eight, right? It's a bigger screen. Yes. yes. It's a different kind of, uh, first of all, face ID is problematic in a lot of ways. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait and see. Okay. Cause everybody's so I mean, down on it. I feel like I have to take the other side on this one, you know, cause I, I, I uh, touch ID works surprisingly well. And uh, I think they know what's up. I think they know how important that is because that's how they authorize purchases and Apple. Well, pay. here's the yeah. Here's the thing: if you care about security, you don't use either Touch ID or Face Probably ID, true. right? You yeah. use a very hardcore password. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, yes. Yeah. 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 Full flex. But uh, I, I don't. Um, like I think I'm, I, I'm due for an upgrade on my iPhone seven, and I think I'm an iPhone eight kind of guy. Yeah, I, I think, I think it might be pretty practical. The only reason to go with the 10 is if you want to like I I am compelled to get the 10 because I always like to have some sort of informed commentary on how that whole thing works. Like cuz people are sitting here firing off about Face ID doing this or that or the dot or how they should have re-implemented the touch button. I want to actually not just talk out of my asshole. I want to try it. Um so I generally will get the one that has more to discuss. And if all things being equal, I would have just gotten the 8. I'm pretty much just skipping Android for probably until after the Pixel 2, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, the, the one issue I see for developers, or rather um, opportunity, is ARKit, it does seem like they're doubling down on that. Oh my gosh, ARKit is looking yeah. really good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I didn't, like I said, I didn't really understand until I took, in, until I took the PrimeSense purchase into context. Uh, tons of apps there. I, I yeah. I think the iPhone 10 is going to be a design challenge more than anything else. It's not really going to be like a development challenge. Not that those things True. are. But yeah, ARKit is going to be the real develop is going to be the real developer's uh goldmine for a bit. Anybody that cracks a really good game, something something that gets people really, you know, sharing that game, I think is going to be a huge hit. Yeah, I mean, I could I I have a vision. I'm not going to do it myself, but here could radio would answer some help. A like interior decorating app with ARKit that like looks to show you your space with um, additional features or additional you know whatever pictures or plants or whatever. Yeah, I've seen a couple of those. It and they it's so cool. It's something about putting it in your real life that uh, yeah, yeah, it really clicks. Like one another another demo I saw was a restaurant that uh, uses iPads to order. And so the customers, when they're looking at the food, it puts the image of the food like a like a real image, not like a not like a VR looky or fake polygon, but like a real high resolution 4K 360 degree imagery that somebody did. And it puts that on the plate and it it really sells it when you see a delicious burger with the bacon out and all that stuff, a little bit of drippage here or there. It totally it totally is a different experience when you're ordering your food. And I could see a few high end restaurants doing that as a gimmick. I don't think it would be huge, but. You know, you don't have to sell a million of it if you can get a few restaurants like that to to buy an app like that. Think about that. Think about the maintenance too. True. Updating food items, keeping keeping the app current. You know, trend, maybe even skinning it for Christmas and holidays. It's just a gold mine. We'll see. It could be at least. It, it watching these demos, it looks pretty legitimate, and it kind of makes me wonder what Microsoft's been doing with Hololens and uh, with with the Connect. This is essentially a little connect in a phone. Where's Microsoft at? Why didn't they do this? <laughs> yeah, I think Microsoft is too hooked on gaming, right? They're too yeah. hooked on high-end yeah. YouTube gaming, or rather uh, console gaming. Well, but Mr. Dominic, I said YouTube. I am, glad that, uh, I am glad that things are well and that you're back in the saddle over there. I know you've got a meeting to run to. Another, I, uh, 
I will be gone for um, maybe one or two episodes. I'm not quite sure, but uh, we may get another person here in the saddle to uh, chat with you. But in the meantime, Sounds good. where should we send folks to get a little more review if this wasn't enough this week? Send them at Dumanuko on Twitter and at themadbotter.com. Oh, very good. At Chris LAS for me, videos of the trip to New York and the Ubuntu rally, rally at youtube.com slash Chris Fisher or just go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash rover where not only do I post the videos, but also's I have the live tracker. So maybe if we want to meet up or, you know, you're in my areas or just want to see what the hell I'm doing and where I'm at, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash rover. You can track me during my trip. A little stalker you. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode. I assume, I assume they're going to put another one together for you and they'll probably be right back here next week. <laughs>